This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast with Roscoe, the fanalist, and Subby. Uh, it's nights like these that it kind of sucks having this podcast because we have to finish the game. You know, <laughs> these are the ones that you want to just turn off at some point, but you can't. Ugh. So uh, Roscoe and the fanalist here. Unfortunately, we were going to welcome a special guest today, but... Uh, got called to work because it is tomorrow afternoon there if that gives you a hint as to who it is um wow rough night but before we jump into that if you haven't checked out our last episode we had a special guest from vegas uh, originally from toronto bloke young recording artist it was a super fun episode so if you haven't checked that one out check it out also remember to follow us on all the platforms uh steph runs our instagram page i run our twitter she also has an instagram uh, catch us. We live tweet all the games and all that. And uh, remember to check out all our new episodes after uh, the game. Yeah, definitely. And definitely te- check out Bloke Look Young's music. Uh, he's really good, guys. So it's always yeah. nice to see. I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, you yes. never, it's like people's music is always subjective, right? But, you know, I, I, I like it. Yeah, I'm not the biggest R&B fan, just to admit straight off the bat. But honestly, I really like his song. So that says a lot. So check it out. Yep. And um, we will be welcoming guests for the next foreseeable future. I've got somebody booked for every episode up until the end of the month uh, for now. So if you would like to join, all of March is currently open. Um, shoot me a message on Twitter or Steph one on Instagram and we'll uh, we'll get you booked for a show. We want to bring in the community. We like having people on. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be, you don't even have to be on a podcast before. We've had lots of people. It's their first time. So come and share your thoughts about the Leafs. I'm avoiding talking about this game at all costs, as you can tell. (laughs) Yeah, just dragging it on. But I don't blame you. Um, This is just a flashback from the past that we did not want to relive, especially being the first game back at the Bell Center. Um, of course, no Sandine in the lineup, too. And uh, fun fact, though, um, Sheldon Keefe and Martin St. Louis were old former teammates, and now they're facing each other head-to-head as coaches. So I, I thought saw that, that. Was interesting. I kind of forget that Keefe was a player sometimes because I don't really remember <laughs> watching him play. I don't think he did that long. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, pretty cool that he played with St. Louis. Yeah, uh, just from 2001 to 2003 with the Tampa Bay Lightning, but he was between the Springfield Falcons and the Detroit Vipers, but still pretty cool, not going to lie. But Damn, just missed out on the cop, eh? Yeah, exactly, but he obviously did not have a very successful NHL career, but now we're here, and we're Now he's one of the best him. coaches, yep. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. He's one of the best coaches in the league. He's got one of the best records ever through 150 games, so... Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, tonight was not good, and I felt like I was re-watching the playoff series from last year. Yeah, this year the Habs have been breaking records in the worst way possible, and I feel like every time I watch them face the Leafs, it's not the team that I keep hearing about in all the headlines. It just seems like a totally different team, and I'm like, where is this bottom feeder team that we've all been hearing about all season long, you know? Yeah, it's like we always talk about the Leafs losing to either bottom feeder teams or, you know, somewhat of contenders that we can write off a loss to. But it's those middle pack teams that the Leafs are good against. There's no middle pack teams this year. Everybody's bad. So the Leafs have a lot of enemies this year. It's going to be tough. 
Something I found interesting too that they said on the broadcast was that uh, the Leafs' average in winning against Canadian teams is one in four games. Ew. Yeah, I know. I mean, Calgary's doing well. We get beat up on by Edmonton. Ottawa is always a fluke game. So, yeah, I, I see it. Yeah. But um, no one helped each other tonight, unfortunately. And um, Mrazek had a horrible, horrible night. Um, obviously, it's one game, but it's so hard not to notice, especially when it's against your rival and in the same building that you lost the last playoff series to. So we have to we have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Keith was screaming about it. Broadcasters were talking about it. Um, they the defense let way too many people through. It was brutal. But the second and third goal that the Habs got, I have to give Mrazek all the blame for. He slid way too far. Like, he, get, he they had wide open nets to shoot at. Oh, man, this isn't uh, wild, wild Water Kingdom or something where you're slipping and sliding. Like, man, all he had to do was stand there and he would have made the save. But it seems like for every golden windmill type save, he has like four, five, six horrible um, goals that he lets in and... It's really showing lately. Yeah, it's like if he'd played up to the couple saves he'd made tonight all game, it wouldn't have been five goals against. There maybe been one or two that I would blame the defense for entirely. Yeah, definitely. But speaking of Calgary, um, their new acquisition of Pitlick there, what a little surprise, especially uh, I think he only had two points in, I believe, almost 30 games this year with Calgary and tonight he had two goals or well two points sorry one goal one assist but yeah I did not expect that coming no not at all but what we did expect coming was Josh Anderson because he always comes against the Leafs (laughs) yeah yeah brutal man just pushing Brody away in front of the net like that was so weak man like Brody is usually a pretty hard guy to move and Josh Anderson just pushed him out of the way and got three shots and the third one went in like literally yeah. the, the replay he just pushes him and has the entire net front to himself like guys come on yeah in the most gentle way possible Brody just goes wee in front of the goalie and gets completely out of the way and Josh Anderson all he has to do is just dig at the puck until it goes in because you know of course Mrazek had another rebound which led to this opportunity to begin with but man the rebounds and now it's this sliding play that he did twice tonight too that was so unnecessary this game could have easily went I don't know, 4-3, 5-3 for the Leafs even if he didn't let those horrible goals in. Yeah, I got to give a quick shout out to um, a friend and old coworker of mine, Aaron Eldershaw, who brought her boyfriend to the game for his birthday. They are Leaf fans who live in Montreal, unfortunately. (laughs) So uh, sorry, guys, not a great game. Yeah, man. But what about the first couple minutes of the game where Justin Hall tries to make a fancy drop drop pass to Matthews, who isn't even facing the correct way. So, of course, it's a huge fail. Pitlick has a big breakaway and, yeah, it just leads to that Josh Anderson goal. But, wow, it's like, man, I get it. Sometimes those quick passes those fancy plays look so good when they work out right it's like oh this hockey iq is amazing but when they don't work out and the guy you're trying to pass to isn't even looking the right way you just look like a joke so yeah i kept hearing from people that it seemed like hall and Dermot might have been out there for 
a bit of advertising, you know, showing them off to the market, trying to move them. That's why Sandine wouldn't have been playing tonight. But mm-hmm. uh, man, even against Montreal, like I get it. You think it's going to be an easy night, but Matthews is off his game. The entire top six looked awful. Like I have yeah. Matthews so on my fantasy team, as everybody knows by this point. Um, <laughs> and he was minus one with one shot on goal tonight. And I think it was in the third period. The funny part is, is that um, Justin Hall is a plus two tonight with one assist. So, yeah, it's funny how that works out. And this is the type of thing where we discussed a couple uh, episodes ago about not just looking at the score and actually analyzing the gameplay, because this was one of those nights when you look at the roster that played, it's like, oh, Matthews, uh, Kerfoot minus two, Marner minus two, everyone is minuses, but then it's Justin Hall, a plus two, the only plus as a defender tonight. Uh, TJ Brody was minus three. Yeah, Riley and Brody were not good tonight, unfortunately. And if they're not good and the top six isn't good, this team's screwed, especially when they have no goaltending. This was just a collapse top to bottom. Um, what about in the first there with Pitlick on that breakaway, running Mrazek down? like i'm sorry if you're not gonna score you don't just get to blades up run the goalie down like yeah exactly just another moment where you're just like no uh running through all the scenarios in your head like who are we gonna call up are we gonna land that uh trade that happened mid-game i know we'll get to that or are we gonna call up guys like wall hutchison crow like it's just you don't want to picture it because Mm -hmm. (laughs) but mrazic though i don't know if that shook him off of his game tonight or because i was thinking he was going to get pulled way earlier i know i'm jumping ahead of myself but maybe yeah. maybe it did maybe something happened in that crash that we didn't give enough credit to maybe he did pull something or it shook him up uh, i don't know i'd hope so because his performance afterwards was just not good and he's not usually this bad holy moly i don't think i've ever seen him play this bad yeah yeah, he's kind of playing like the start of the season when he had his few attempts. But then the last uh, five or so starts, it's been way better for the guy. He had uh, above 900 stats. So I don't know, off night and the Leafs, the D, the top six, bottom six, like you said, did not help whatsoever because so many three on two, two on one rush chances. Yeah, you can see the effect that Marty St. Louis had on this team. They're all just being opportunistic and like he was talking about, you know, the reads, they got to get the reads. So it's all just trusting their instinct and telling them to just go out there and and play to what you know, you know, just be hockey players. When the puck comes your way, act on it. Don't think too much. Just do what you know how to do. And I think they all did a great job of that tonight. I got to give the Habs credit, unfortunately. Like everybody played well on that team. They they came in as the last place team with absolutely nothing to show. They're on a, their first back to back winning streak of the entire season against the Leafs who I mean arguably aren't playing well currently maybe not awful but not playing up to their standard but man this was this shouldn't have been an easy game for the Habs and they made it one so Marty's doing something there that works yeah that's what I mean when I say uh we see the Habs on the bottom of the standings but every time I see these Leafs first half games it doesn't look that way and you can definitely tell Caulfield and Anderson's Anderson are type of guys that are really taking this uh, advice from St. Louis to heart because the two on one, the three on two chances from them alone tonight, just they clicked a couple of times. And just speaking of that, this is the weakest first line in the NHL. Uh, before tonight, this top line of Suzuki, Anderson, and Caulfield combines for 60 points. 
Kadri has 63, Matthews has 59, McDavid 71. So that tells you a lot about this top line. But they were so energetic and just taking advantage of every opportunity. And the Leafs just let them have it their way, it seemed. Like they took their foot off the gas. Yeah, it seemed like there was a bit of life there in the third period where within 45 seconds of each other, we had, uh, who was it, Brody that shot it off Mikheyev? Um, Riley, or Riley, right? So Riley firing one and uh, goes off McKayev's thigh, and yeah. uh, as I tweeted, uh, we all had a thigh of relief there, <laughs> as uh, we didn't get shut out. But then right after Pierre Engvall scores, and like this fourth line was the only one doing anything tonight. I mean, Bunting, I, I did say the top six sucked tonight. Bunting was everywhere. Bunting was, was playing amazing. He was making up for the fact that you know the big four were absolutely invisible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was getting Definitely. in fights. He was pissing off Gallagher. That's what you like to see. You so called it on Twitter too, saying that this fourth line is going to score because it's one of those games where the top six, there's just no budge whatsoever. And you want guys like Father Spezza to lead the way or just to put something on the board. But so happy for these two guys. What, four, 43 seconds you said between the two goals? So, but it wasn't enough, of course. And yeah, it just yeah. got worse, especially but with the big hit. You can tell when the fourth line is going to score when um, Wayne Simmons looks good offensively and the other two around him start clicking. Like Engvall and, and Spezza are always kind of like they can jump on something if they're looking good. But if Wayne's also clicking with them, it's like, oh, this line's going to score 100%. Yeah. And you can and tell s- from the beginning of the game. Yeah. And speaking about um, guys like Mikheyev and uh, Spezza, this power play two situation, uh, I really love seeing Muzzin on that point to fill in for Sandine because we saw that hard shot a couple of times tonight and Spezza ready on the wing for that possible pass or one-timer. But my problem is, is that Mikheyev never seems ready to receive that pass for the one-time shot. He has to always settle the puck down, play with it a little, and then it's too late because there's someone covering him and it goes back to Muzzin, back to Spezza. Like, I would love to see these three guys click on the power play. This would be dynamite, in my opinion, especially with Cache in front to collect a loose change and bunting right there as well. But this is something I noticed tonight that I'm like, Mikhaev, come on. Like, you need to be ready. Stick down. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I find Mikhaev's not a good backup singer. He's more of a solo artist. Like when when he gets the puck, he's really fast and he's good at breaking through defense and and getting the puck to the net. But it seems that he's not very good at reading plays when other people have the puck and he needs Mm -hmm. to get open for it. Like I don't find him ever being in spots he should be. Or like you said, whenever he gets a pass, he's got to corral it first and kind of get it to the right side there. Like he he got that pass and was an almost a wide open net. And instead of shooting it, he's like, okay, I got to I got to figure out where I'm going to. Oh, it's too late. Yeah, yeah, just that hesitation that we saw from Marner so many times before, and now Marner is the guy that's finally taking those quick shots, and even if they're 50 miles from the net, he's taking that shot, And but speaking of 50 miles, uh, Nylander, damn, just like your tweet, it's either right on right. the button or up in the stands, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, and I... I remember Dangle talked about this too. It's not like he misses a lot because I know he looked into the stats on it. He doesn't miss the net a lot, but when he does, it's like it goes all the way around the boards and back to the other end. Like he he just misses by an astronomical amount. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's so noticeable, especially when you're down in a game and guys like Nylander, who's supposed to be hot, 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 need to bring this game back. But yeah, I was really lucky, though. The Leafs didn't get that uh, too many men on the ice penalty called. I was just going to say, was it me or did the Leafs get away with a lot of penalties that should have been called in the third period there? Yeah, total opposite from what we're usually used to, right? Getting all the penalties called. But unfortunate um, where I believe Nylander was sending the puck around the back of uh, Montembon and uh, Kerfoot was already on his way to the bench. The puck hits the guy leaving and Matthews, who replaces him, is already in the center of the ice. So that is a guaranteed penalty. And the Leafs got very, very lucky at that point. Yeah, there was that. And I saw a couple holding the sticks and a couple slashes you know slashed the stick right out of Suzuki's hand and there were some trips like man they just put the whistle this is why I say it was like watching the playoff game last year okay Leafs were out shooting the Habs but looked like shit Um, the uh, whistles basically went away and we had somebody accidentally injured badly by somebody on the Habs so Jake Muzzin goes down after just a freak play like Basically the same as Marner or Matthew skating into the net the other day, just kind of making a loop and wasn't looking where he was going and hit. I don't even Weidman. remember. Weidman. Yeah, loses and, loses an edge uh, trying to make that quick turn and crashes into Weidman. I swear I saw uh, Muzzin's head bounce off the ice did. like a basketball. It went up bad. so high. Oh, and the moment where he's laying on his back just kind of KO'd not moving not re- not really responding like you'd hope you're kind of like oh but at the same time LTIR possibilities and all of these chess moves go through your head you yeah know? unfortunately that's just the way this game works like I really hope he's okay especially getting potentially another concussion back to back like that that's that's potentially really really bad like not even yeah. hiding him on LTIR to the playoffs, he might not even be able to come back. Like he might be done for the season if this is another concussion and they rule him out. The worst birthday gift you can receive. No so kidding. I'm so sorry, Jake Muzzin, this had to happen to you once again. And um, I obviously Duvis is making some plans in the back of his mind because there's that annual playoff injury that he goes through. I don't know if this one is going to be it. But the Leafs definitely have to play their cards right moving forward and pull a Tampa, pull a Vegas, do what you have to do to make those very high, high valued acquisitions at this point, because this is kind of like a free card in a sense. Yeah. So to wrap the game up, 5-2, Leafs lose. It wasn't pretty. It was 5 nothing for way too long. And those two goals kind of, uh, they they sparked something for about five minutes and then it was dead. So that was the end of the game. Um, weirdly in the middle of the first period, Dubas makes a trade with Arizona again, this time for Carter Hutton for future considerations who we will (laughs) miss greatly. Yeah. Another Hutton to add to the list. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I was trying to figure out what this move was about and I think I finally figured it out. Okay. Um, Michael Hutchinson has not been playing well for the Marlies. He's rocking like an 880-something safe percentage. So I think this move is really just to help the Marlies. I think it's a Marlies trade just to send him down there to to replace Hutchinson or back him up or something. 
Um, I don't think this has anything to do with the Leafs, and I wouldn't really pay much attention to it unless he's packaged with something, which I also don't see happening. So that's my take. That's my prediction. So there's some fine print with this acquisition. Uh, I know that the Arizona, Arizona Coyotes got the future considerations, whatever that means. But the funny part is, well, the good thing is that he cleared waivers, so we don't have to worry about that. But Toronto is allowing Carter Hutton to stay in Tucson, Arizona and to play for the Roadrunners on a loan, which will allow him to live there and play hockey with his family, you know, and he doesn't have to move right away. So this was obviously a free piece to acquire. It doesn't cost the Leafs anything whatsoever. But my take is that like you said, Hutchison's doing really bad. But when you look at the Marley's goalie portion of the roster, combined, they only have 137 or sorry, 141 NHL career games experience. So that's Wall with four games, Michael Hutchison with 137 games. Then you have a guy oh, like that's Carter. too many for Michael Hutchinson to have played. Anyway, go on. <laughs> I know. Then you have a guy like Carter Hutton who has played 235 NHL career games and his record's 94, 90, 27. So this is like a a backup to the backup plan in case something happens or playoffs go down and Campbell Morazic are out. It's a Dave Rittich trade. Yeah, pretty much. And I know he's played for the most horrible teams in the past. And, you know, this guy has had bad luck this year. Uh, The last game he played was on October 24th. All three of his games this year have been in October. Then he went in on on long-term injury reserve for an ankle injury. And then when was it? The February 7th. Sorry, he was 18 games on IR, then goes on COVID protocol. And then on February 7th, he finally gets cleared and he's starting to take shots with the team. He's on the ice first time since October. Then the guy gets waived. And then the next day, the Leafs pick him up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in Arizona only acquired him last last summer in the offseason. One year league minimum deal. I wonder why they didn't put the claim in on waivers for him. Yeah. Well, they might have. I actually, I think you can only put one waiver claim in, right? And they would have put it on somebody hmm. else. I don't know. Interesting, though. Yeah, definitely. But especially when you've seen Mrazic tonight, seven ninety two save percentage. Uh, I know Carter Hutton hasn't played all year long, but I guess it's just that sixth, seventh backup possibility, and it's free, so why not? This is going to be the most experienced guy on the Marlies as a goaltender. I'm sure he's 36 years old to top that off. Uh, he's definitely a veteran in the room, so yeah. Yeah. Um, also, in Leafs waiver and trade news, we lost Ryan Dezingle as quickly as we got Ryan Dezingle. Feels like a Jared <laughs> McCann situation, but uh, San Jose claimed him off waivers. Like I said, this was like an Alex Galchenyuk level of player. It wasn't really something that I think, I mean, he was a 13th forward. He wasn't going to immediately fit into the lineup. Uh, we would have to see somebody pulled out, which I don't really want to do right now. So I don't hate this. It's free cap space. We lost the Richie contract, which gets worse next year. So mm-hmm. I don't hate it. 
Yeah, I'm not mad whatsoever. Uh, this is a very smart play by Dubis. We pretty much got Dezingle for free because the goal was to get that defender and the Russian bear, as he is nicknamed to his fellow teammates. So, And it's funny how he looks like uh, the Russian twin of Nick, Nick Ritchie. <laughs> right. And I love that Bunting is excited to have him. And he uh, only had good things to say about playing with him in Arizona. Great guy yeah. on and off the ice. So looking forward but- to it. I'm looking forward to it too because this guy, most shifts, he played alongside Jacob Chikrin this year. And last year, his defensive partner was uh, OEL. Wow. So he's, yeah, he's made a dent for himself in the NHL. It's not on the score sheet, but all the defensive stats make sense. He has been leading the team this year in hits with 94. The Leafs' current leader is Muzzin with 82. Um, but just to end it off on this topic, my what's going on in my head is that um, let's say guys go down in the playoffs, kind of like the goalie situation. Now that we don't have Richie and people have always said, oh, save him for the playoffs, save him for the playoffs. Dezingle's a guy with 398 NHL career games. So I think Dubas was kind of relying on that aspect, like, okay, play with the Marlies, do what you got to do, get comfortable, and then they can call him up whenever. But now we have more cap space. Now Muzzin is possible long-term injury reserve. Let's see. Fingers crossed for health, but for pieces to work out in the future and lots to come. Yeah. So Muzzin getting injured is not something new. This happens quite often, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. But the timing on this one is a little bit lucky. I hate to say. So... <laughs> along with losing the Richie contract and losing to Zingle there. Now we have Labushkin who, I mean, that makes what Sandine his partner. Like, let's go through the defense. Now we'd have Riley Brody, Mm -hmm. Sandine Labushkin and Dermot Lilligren question mark. I think he's going to be Muzzin Labushkin. No, I'm then, saying like if we're imagining that Muzzin is going to be out. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, hmm. Fair point because I do love the Sandine and Lily pairing, but I know they're going to get split up. I think Sandine Labushkin makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. oh, this is going to be so like, does this open up the opportunity for, and I, I hate to bring this name up, but Ben Sherratt? If Muzzin is long-term at 5.625, that's a lot of money off of their books right now. You might as well sign his partner from Arizona and get Chikrin at this point, right? That's, <laughs> There's yeah. your new defensive pairing right there. <laughs> yeah, I do like Jacob Chikrin a lot. I think there's a ton of upside in the future if they're able to keep him, but I don't think that's a possibility. Um, yeah. And I think the ask for either of them is way too high, and I don't think the Leafs are going to trade a first round pick. I don't think they want to. I think that was why they were able to do this Labushkin to Zingle trade because it was a second or third. Yeah, definitely. But Hall was really playing like he's not on the chopping block tonight. Like this guy was way too comfy and I think he's the next to go. And it's interesting. Like we said so many times before, so many options out there and we just never know what Dubas is going to throw from left field, like Bean likes to say. So yeah, it's... Just I think a waiting he th- game. Yeah, I think he thought he was more or less done after the Hutton trade and maybe like one or two more things, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think if they find out tomorrow that Muzzin is down for the count, this is 
a game changer for his plans for the next two weeks. Like he was not, or three weeks, I guess he was not expecting this at all. Yeah. So not this, at all. this opens up like, I mean, his calculations were not, <laughs> we're not accounting for five and a half million dollars to come off the books here. Like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. people that were totally out of the conversation are now in the conversation. Even forward yeah. wise, like Claude Giroux enters the chat. <laughs> yeah, that would be I don't beautiful. Think he, wants to come, he wants to come up here though. Or Thomas Hurdle, that would be a beauty to come up on the wing on that second line. Um, yeah. He can even play center, so that would be awesome. But yeah, like I said, you just never know at this point. We can only dream. And I just hope the Leafs, at the end of the day, figure out a way to face these teams who obviously have taken notes against them and saying all they have to do is play simple, hard-hitting hockey in order to win a hockey game. <laughs> so, How were the leaps for hits tonight? Because I did feel like they were hitting more than usual, at least in the first period. So the Habs had 38 hits and the Leafs had 26. I mean, okay, 38's a lot, but 26 is pretty good for the Leafs. They usually average like low pretty 20s. Good. Yeah, actually right about that. Uh, Simmons tonight with five hits, so that was nice. nice. And Camp with four. But Simmons once again showing he has to make every moment on the ice count because he his ice time went up tonight, 10.39 compared to, remember a couple episodes episodes ago we said seven minutes yeah. so it really matters and you know something's wrong when spezza is the first one to throw off the gloves like <laughs> okay that was the other thing i wanted to say that reminded me of the playoff series against the Habs. is like everything's falling apart and jason spezza has to step up and fight for you guys like the come on where it's where sad. is it guys yeah, it's sad. And like I said in our chat, you can't rely on one or two guys to pull up the socks for everyone because obviously Simmons is not going to be on the ice the entire time or guys like Camp who had four hits tonight. Uh, Matthews is a big boy, 6'3", to almost 230 pounds. Uh, he he can easily truck some hits, kind of like Darty was saying. Uh, Ovi's not afraid. Sid's not afraid. These exactly. star, star players need to, yeah pull up their socks and carry their weight and stand up for their teammates especially when your goalie goes down or i know justin hall that was a pretty hard hit which led to that confuffle there but i don't know everyone just needs to jump in and tell the league that the leaves aren't going to get pushed around and these are not the types of notes that you should be taking forward because they won't have it but right now it seems like that's the secret guide to beating the leafs because possession's great, the dot is great, the power play is great. It wasn't great tonight, but damn, like we're great in every other category. So it's just annoying. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that I hope I hoped that Keith would address coming into this year is not, you know, have someone come in because one one Wayne Simmons does not make a team of hitters. You know, like it's a yeah. mentality. It's you know, like Boston, every single person on the team hits exactly the same way. Calgary, it's the same thing. Fucking Winnipeg beats the shit out of everybody these days. Yeah. You no one saw a little mini Suzuki throw a large, large body hit on Hall to go crashing down, you know? Like right. Hall is like a half a foot taller than the guy. And even Cole Caulfield, like this tiny little leprechaun going around the ice, and he's not afraid to throw the bod too. So that says a lot. Wayne absolutely laid Josh Anderson out though. That was beautiful. 
oh, it's always a beautiful moment when Josh Anderson goes flying, but that's just a personal point. <laughs> um, what do you think about the name Brock Besser now that we're talking about five and a half mil potentially off? Okay, that's an interesting one because this is supposed to be the Vancouver Canucks superstar goal scorer, Brock Besser. He was in the talks of the likes of Matt Matthews at one point for chasing that that uh, goal scoring streak. So I know he's having a horrible year, and, but Vancouver started off really badly. They're picking up now, but I don't know. It, I wouldn't go for it. I would. I prefer JT Miller. Yeah, and I, that was actually the other name I was going to mention from Vancouver. But um, in all honesty, with Muzzin down, I think they really just need to address the defense more than the forwards because what we've seen tonight is the defense is just not up to par. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. Hull is not an NHL defense. Like, somebody tweeted, I'm sorry, I'm not crediting you. I forget who it was. But if he was left-handed, he'd be in the AHL, and I think it's true. I saw that. That's so true because Toronto is so desperate for that right-handed defender. But the whole league is. Yeah, and they're showing with their wallets how desperate they are for it. I mean, Justin Hall making two million dollars a year. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, I know he had a good show last year, but it wasn't that good. It's the fact that he's right-handed and they have nobody else to fill that role. So I think yeah. that's going to be what they have to address with Muzzin out is. You know, you can move Sandine into that role, but the right is just so brutal. Yeah, it's it's bad. And some games it looks good, and then you have these high hopes, like, okay, they're getting it. Like, this this is working, but it seems like um, every other night the D-lines are changing, and sometimes for good reason, but sometimes I don't know if it kind of threw them off, like Sandine not playing tonight. But even Riley and Brody have not been good defensively lately. Which is unfortunate yeah. because they've both been playing well offensively. I mean, Brody's been taking more shots than ever and scoring more than he ever has in his couple of years here. Um, Definitely. And, and Riley's been fantastic. I mean, he had that end-to-end goal the other night. But, man, in their own end, they've been brutal lately. Besides yeah. besides Brody's classic TJ Brody slide. But yeah. other than that, <laughs> people have been getting past them way too easily. Oh, so bad. And I always appreciate the pinch and the offensive um, zone pressure and just getting the cycle going you know those big point shots that I've always been talking about with these defenders and I don't know it's that's when you want your other two defending lines to step up more and um, bring the play to the offensive zone so you get that ozone face off and then you can start again and yeah it hasn't been working tonight uh, Brody tonight four sh- four blocks which is good but you're right Johnny um just not good enough and it showed and Mrazic obviously that's another problem on its own with his per- performance but this game we could have won yeah like, the Leafs could have won this game and even on the power play man like the Habs their their stats are horrible 31st in the league on the PP 30th on the PK 32nd goals for averaging 2.20 I think uh tonight was the I think they said uh they broke their streak of not allowing two or more goals for 39 conse- consecutive games. So wow. tonight broke that streak this season for the Habs. Of course it did. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Just to put it into NHL 22 or 21 or whatever game you played uh, terms. 
The Leafs have too many defensemen that are like a 79 overall. You know, like they're just as a whole, the entire, I would say like the bottom four defensemen are just not like if you were to take the overall of the four of them and I'd say like Muzzin, Hall, Dermot, Lilligren, you're looking at like maybe an 80 average at best. And that's what's yeah. the bump from Muzzin. Like, fuck, it's it's just not up to par with the rest of the teams that are competing. Like if you go through, you know, Carolina or Colorado or like all these teams that are actually in it, like Calgary or any of them. You, yeah, their defense doesn't drop off after the first line as hard as the Leafs do. Yeah, definitely. And kudos to their goalie tonight. He stood on his head and played amazingly, but there's still a problem with this decor. And obviously everyone knows I'm a Leafs homer, Leafs through and through, but it's times like these where you have to analyze what's going to work moving forward, going into the playoffs, because we can't ignore the record i know the leafs are 32 14 and 3 on the season i know they're first on the power play first on the face-off dot but it's just i don't know this issue that we have to address and leafs nation there's a there's two narratives it's either win against a good team doesn't matter until the playoffs uh, play horribly against a bad team this team will never win so my takeaway from this one is just there's problems that need to be addressed and you have about three and a half weeks till the deadline to address them. Use that yeah. time. And uh, yeah, please do because this team is not perfect yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, and a little too far from it. Yeah. And we know that Leafs or the Leafs will never be perfect and that good teams lose too. Like today, Colorado lost 5-1 to Boston and then the Flyers sent Carolina to OT. So things do happen and I'm not saying the Leafs are a horrible team by any means. It's just tonight was <laughs> just brutal on all aspects uh, from the top down and yeah, it hurts. It stings because of last year. It stings because it's the Habs, you know, and Caulfield scoring two, scoring two goals or getting two points, two goals, whatever. It just hurts. Yeah. And I mean, you make a good point, though, as Colorado is in first place. Um, I have their goalie tandem, both of them on my fantasy team, and I know <laughs> how inconsistent they are. So it's something to remember that even the best teams are not always the best back to front. So. Kemper's had some rough nights. I mean, Franzu's mm. has been great. I think both of them have had a couple shutouts in the last uh, two weeks. But I mean, like you said today, it was zero zero almost to the end of the first. And then it was one nothing for a while, and I was like, okay, one's not bad. And then all of a sudden, boom, five one. Shit. Yeah, this is not the type of team uh, we've been watching for the last couple of months. Uh, this team has been changing the narrative this year and just taking the notes and getting better every game, even though this guy slips or Justin Hall screws up like it's things are taking to account because the standings show for it and the stats show for it. But disappointing at the end yeah. of the day. Uh, so the Leafs are still sitting in third in the Atlantic behind uh, Florida and Tampa with Boston behind them by five points. Boston's not been great this year. Um, I think that's about as high as they'll get. I don't see them passing the Leafs regardless of whatever slump they go on. Uh, I would just like to say that I called this the beginning of the year. I said this is the year Boston starts to fall, and uh, we're seeing it. Those guys are yeah. not. I mean, 
Yes, they haven't had Marshawn for five games now, but they were not great even before those. Yeah, um, I think the problems all started. Well, the goaltending is one thing, but you had some veterans leave in the offseason and prior to that. And yeah, I mean, you're losing Krejci and you're losing Rask. That's a huge part of the core of that team. Yeah, and then they signed uh, Linus Allmark in the offseason, who's supposed to bring this team back to its mojo without Tuka Rask, but Swayman's been beating him for the starter uh, position. Uh, the last uh, game, Allmark posted an 8.93, 8.60. There was a game 7.33. Like, it's mm, hasn't been See, the best. And it's crazy to think that Boston is, like, auditioning starting goalies right now after just having Tuka Rask for so long and, you know, Tim Thomas before that. And they've always just been solid goaltending there. That's been kind of almost like the Rangers, the story of the Bruins. And now it's like, oh, God, what do we do? Yeah, it's fun. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Sucks to suck. Yeah, it sucks to suck. I had so many good uh, memes lined up in case the Leafs totally killed the Habs tonight, but I'll have to tuck them away for another game. So jinxed it. I jinxed it. And I screwed up my five day Tim streak because that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we had a well-fought fantasy week, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, Johnny and I faced each other last week, and we tied. So we with his shutout. Place. Yeah, so she's in first place by one point. So this there was a lot riding on this week for the playoff uh, bracket standings going into the last couple weeks here. And uh, I was winning up until Zach Hyman scores in like the dying minutes of a brutal 7-3 loss. <laughs> <laughs> to give you the tie in goals to yeah. uh, tie the week up at 5-5. So well fought. Losing the save percentage category by 0. .001. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah. Man, I shouldn't this... have played uh, Campbell or Kemper. I knew it that last night. They started off the week so well, and I was like, I should just bench them. I'll take the oh. loss in wins just to lock down save percentage and goals against average. I I'm so done glad it. I... Bench Smith because he was pulled after the first, but he had a 429 and a 17.60 goals allowed. So, yeah. Uh, anybody but, playing fantasy out there, if they're available on your waiver wire, Alex Tuck, Tage Thompson, and Jeff Skinner have been lighting the lamp in Buffalo. Just doesn't matter how bad that team is. They've been winning a couple games, and these guys are scoring like crazy. Any goals you see from Buffalo are only from their top line. So, if any of those guys yes. are available, grab them. Yes, it's kind of like the old school um, Colorado Avalanche in a sense where they're so top heavy or the Boston Bruins. I was going to say the Bruins. Yeah. Uh, Tage Thompson also throwing lots of hits, lots of shots. So good fantasy pickup and usually available on the wire. Yep. I was able to grab both Skinner and Tage Thompson who basically like got me most of my goals and assists for this week. They were awesome. Nice. And I, but, uh, uh, I took another stab on Mason Marchment. Yeah, I saw that. Because I uh, I picked him up after his six-game night, dropped him after two games, and he got a hat-trick because I'm an idiot. Man, I have this problem in one league where I have too many centers. So I've been uh, rotating Trocheck and Shifley because I have Aho, so I have to play Aho. But every time I bench either Trocheck or Shifley, the one on the bench scores. So Trocheck got two points tonight and uh, Shifley with minus one. So that's, yeah. Uh, of my course. Luck. But yeah. 
Uh, of course, that's how it works because fantasy is cruel. <laughs> I have too many left wingers, but thankfully Matt Boldy, if he's available, another uh, pick from Roscoe here. Matt Boldy from Minnesota has been great. He just joined the team. He's only played like nine games, I think, and he's got, or no, I think he's played fifteen games. He's got fourteen points or something. So good he's pick been there. Killing it. And he just got updated on Yahoo. They added, this is what I was going to say. So I had too many left wings. And they just added right wing to his status so he can flip to both. Nice. Player also, eligibility. Tage Thompson is center right wing left wing on Yahoo. Yeah. So huge, <laughs> huge plus grab there if you can get him. So good. But Boldy, he's been uh, playing on the second line with Kevin Fiala and Gaudreau and also, I believe, on PP1. So that's where his value really rises because that PP1 opportunity is golden. But that's if Minnesota can score some power play goals because they do have some problems scoring a lot. Yeah, but I mean, they had the 7-2 outing the other night, so it's pretty good. Of course, against, yeah, you versus me. It's, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, or 7-3, I think it was against Edmonton that they were. Oh, yeah. I mean, with the empty game. netter. Yeah. Yeah. Why was there an empty netter in a 7-2 to two game? Ass uh, Woodworth. <laughs> I've, that's fucking crazy. But bless Woodworth because he's been uh, putting Hyman in more opportune situations and he's being bumped up the lineup back on PP1 and especially with Pulley RV out on IR, it helps a lot. So It sucks because I drafted him and then dropped him and then he was the reason that you, you tied us that week, so... <laughs> sucks yeah, yeah another fantasy note i have i'm just gonna i guess dedicate the last 10 minutes of the show to fantasy um tyler Toffoldi has basically lost all his value in getting traded to calgary unfortunately and he scored tonight did he actually yeah right after you dropped him you gotta be <laughs> fucking kidding me of course he did so um i counter to that even if he did score tonight he has been dropped to the third line um with Goudreau and Monahan. He's also on not on power play one or power play two. So Oh in, yeah. Ton That's of dropped minutes stupid. for Mr. Tyler Toffoli, unfortunately, since going there. So I made the decision to drop him and grab Mason Marchman back for the plus minus because I keep getting destroyed in plus mm. minus. He's literally averaging about twelve eighteen a game. What a waste. Yeah, I don't understand the reason for picking him up if you're going to put him on the third line there, especially when you've had, like, really, you're going to put Blake Coleman, Michael Backlund, and Andrew Mangiapane on the second line over having Tyler Toffoli up there? As a Mangiapane owner, I'm not too mad about that. <laughs> and sorry, I meant, um, so Toffoli's with Monaghan and Lucic on the third line. <laughs> Man, I don't know. Wild. Yeah. But they're back on the winning streak. They've been doing real, real, real hot lately, the Calgary Flames. So it's a contender to look out for. Definitely. Is Manjapani heating up again? He must be because I don't have him anymore. Yep, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course he him. is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you do. Fuck my life. I, like... I get it. Like I'm, I'm in second place, so I, I can't really complain about this because I've owned basically every player in the league at this point with the way that I play. But there's some of them that I just sh should have held on to. I just play a very fast and loose fantasy game. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, that was my play last year because my roster sucked. So I had to ride the wire all the way to the end where I snuck into third. But this year, I I have too many good players and I can't let anyone go. And I have to activate Tarasenko. So I've had a pretty fluid defensive lineup. Darnell Nurse is the only one that I've kept from the beginning. (laughs) And even he's been hard to hold on to some nights, man. I drafted Jeremy Swayman. I might have to pick him up again because he seems to be taking that starter position. And I don't know how Smith's going to hold up against Tampa, Florida, and Carolina for the next three games. So, uh, yeah. That doesn't sound like fun. Nope. Okay, so Leafs take on Columbus tomorrow night. We will have another special guest uh, who's already been on twice, so we don't we don't have to be a surprise. But Sarah at Sarwa from Aussie Land will be joining us again tomorrow, and uh, we'll also no, I'm not going to reveal any more of our guests. So that's our next one tomorrow <laughs> for the Columbus game, where uh, Ilya Labushkin will be joining the Leafs, uh, not to play, but I guess to meet the team because. Just to answer anybody's questions if they haven't figured it out already, he's Russian and a Russian citizen, meaning he has to go through a lot of paperwork and immigration to be able to come over to play for the Leafs. So it's not a it's not a flight overnight kind of deal like Toffoli to Calgary was from uh, Montreal. Mm-hmm. Yep, got to get the work permit in check, and once he's cleared, he'll be good to go. So excited about that. Yeah. And uh, we had one Twitter question, I guess we should answer. I mean, we kind of did, but just a shout out to the person who asked it. <laughs> it was, um, oh my God. Blair Cunningham. What was that? I don't know, Blair. It was not <laughs> good. Good question. Yeah, good question. What was that? How do uh, I knock? Shout out to my own tweet because I thought this was pretty funny. Jokes on the Habs, at least for playing the long game and making sure Arizona loses by giving them Nick Ritchie and the Habs win. You don't want to play against Shane Wright for the next 20 years. I really hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> Just Man. let's offload everything to Arizona. Let's take away everything that they have. Make sure they lose and they get Shane Wright because, oh my God, if we have to play against Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, and Shane Wright for the next 20 years, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be. And then you have um, the guy from Buffalo who hasn't even really played in the NHL yet. Their first round pick uh, from this year. Owen Power. Owen Power, yeah. Big defender. So basically Uh, the Atlantic division is all of a sudden the most absolutely stacked division in the NHL. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially when you see the standings and that winning percentage that tears the league it's well i mean with ottawa on the up and up uh montreal hopefully on the up and up um you've got florida and tampa in the position they're in the leafs in the position they're in are the boston bruins about to be the worst team in the atlantic (laughs) like next like next year next season could the bruins be the worst if uh, they don't figure their stuff out, I don't know. They're just so top heavy and here? they've had this issue for so long. So, Yeah, okay. So if the know. Canadians, Sabres, Senators, and Red Wings are all better next year, which I think they all will be because Buffalo has started to turn a new page. Alex Tuck is clicking and has reawakened something in Jeff Skinner, who was one of the worst deals ever and is all <laughs> of a sudden playing like he should be again. 
And yeah. who, who would have thought Tage Thompson is such a find? So the Sabres potentially could be like these, I, I don't know, like the Sens are this year, next year. And the Sens take another step. Detroit takes another step. I think the Bruins continue to fall in, the, in this division. And I'm here for it, man. Oh, <laughs> one, me too. One season the Habs are on the bottom. The next season the Bruins are on the bottom. I'm, I'll take it. All day. All day long. And this is a Leafs dream come true, right? Uh, <laughs> but... It, obviously it's not easy at the end of the day uh florida tampa two huge contenders and this wild card situation i mean one more win for washington and we're, we're tied for points and they have a couple games in hand but it's neck and neck like you can't even predict who's gonna face who at this point because the, the points are so close yeah it's gonna be an interesting uh next couple of months especially with the trade deadline being so late um, it's just less games after and so many games tightly packed together and teams with different amount of games played. Leafs have Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday this week. Like we're going to be busy, man. Yep. So more episodes for you guys. Yeah. So we'll be back tomorrow after the Columbus game. So uh, remember to find us here on uh, where, where are you listening? I don't know, Spotify or Apple or wherever it is. Remember to check us out tomorrow and uh, give us a follow, give us a rating, give us a like, all those things. Yes, do that. Tell your grandma. (laughs) And um, thank you to everybody who um, got their prizes that have been posting things. Again, I apologize for how long it took me to get those things to you, but uh, glad you're enjoying them. Yeah, stay tuned for some more fun surprises coming up in the near future. We have some extra special things to give away and also that jersey that was never given away during the holiday season. So oh, yeah. that's we still, still that. up for grabs. Um, and tomorrow we'll be playing Higher or Lower with Sarah, so stay tuned for that. And with that, have a good night. We are out because it's back-to-back. We can't go too long. Good night. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Congrats to Darty Broder on getting engaged. Congrats.